Listening to Digital Now, an original business and technology podcast by Logic 2020. I'm your host, Matt Treville. Each episode, I'll be interviewing a new expert to learn more about industry trends, fascinating new tech, shifting customer expectations, and the steps every business can take to stay ahead. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Sarah Davis, who is a data privacy manager at Logic 2020. She's experienced in data privacy regulations and privacy assessments, team management, and all things business process improvement. Sarah, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, actually, something that just came to light is it's your birthday today. <laughs> that it is, yep. <laughs> Happy birthday. Now, now, when people are hearing this, it's not going to be a birthday, but today at the recording, it's your birthday, so I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope you have a very wonderful day. Thank you. No worries. Okay, so we are talking about all things data privacy today, right? So I'd like to start the podcast off today talking about the impact data privacy plays on companies and sort of why is data privacy important to companies for all those listening out there? Can you can you take us down that road? Yeah, of course. So data privacy has really come to the forefront of um, the news with GDPR, CCPA, all these regulations coming out that impose these large fines. But it's actually not the fines or not just the fines that I think are um, really important for companies to be aware of, but also the impact to a company's reputation. So if there is a data breach, yeah. what does what is that impact to the company? You know, I've I've seen a lot of people moving away from Google and Facebook and all these these companies that maybe they don't trust as much anymore um, because of data privacy incidents. Right. So yeah, once you lose that customer trust, right, it's really hard to get that back. So it's not just uh, the financial impacts. It's it's losing people for life, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, what does what does data privacy look like um, within the organizations themselves? It can be kind of one of two things. Uh, we've seen where within a company there's a data privacy team, and that team is responsible for you know any across all departments. Um, all verticals, they're the the team that everyone comes to when there's a data privacy question or um, anything related to data privacy. We've also seen companies set it up where in each department they have an individual for data privacy that is knowledgeable and is within the department and running all data privacy for for that um, kind of section. Flipping back to companies that have more of that centralized data privacy team, we've seen companies really have these data privacy advocates. So people who, that's not their main everyday job, but they'll have um, they'll have trainings and they'll have an internal group that talks about data privacy, meets about data privacy and does internal trainings. And then they're spread throughout the company um, as well. I was going to say, so they're sort of like data privacy champions, if you will. They're going to push the push that information around and make sure people are taking notice of what could be a breach or, or things like that, right? Right, or even you, they're sitting in a meeting and they hear their coworkers say, oh, hey, we're interested in expanding this new 
this product we have won't be just maybe in the US anymore, but we're expanding to, we wanna look into expanding to Europe. That can impact their data privacy um, readiness. So expanding to a whole new group of customers or consumers, they now have a bigger impact. Now they need to be GDPR compliant. And so having people who are under, um, who understand data privacy and are knowledgeable in data privacy in those rooms is really important. Right. And a compliant is always an interesting word with, with data privacy, right? Because that's, you know, insinuates it's a, a moment in time when this has to be ongoing and you have to remain in compliance rather than become compliant one day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We like to use the term readiness sometimes. You're you're ready for GDPR, but it, you're yeah. right. It's not, it's not that single moment in time. Well, and just for those for those who may not know those acronyms, GDPR, CCPA, can you explain what they, they are? Yeah, so GDPR is the European General Data Protection Regulation, and that was went into effect in 2018, and the CCPA is the California Consumer Privacy Act. So those are kind of two of the big names that you hear a lot, but there are, Virginia has a new regulation. Um, Colorado and the UK now after Brexit has its own sort of mm. GDPR. GDPR kind of became the standard um, that most companies, or excuse me, most countries have started following. Right. Okay, cool. I want to come back to that in a little bit, some of those some of those regulations, but I want to continue down the, the impact on companies. So what are some of the current events that are affecting data privacy? Because things, trends and different things force these regulations to come about, right? So what are, what are the most recent things you're hearing? One of the big things that just came out in beginning of October is the new executive order within the U.S., which was the U.S.'s response to the SHRIMS decision to invalidate privacy, the privacy shield. So let me explain that a little. With <laughs> Thank you. G yeah. <laughs> With the EU's regulation, GDPR, uh, there were some standards put into place about transferring data from an EU country outside to another country, for example, to the U.S. So right. a company that's it may be within their normal day-to-day, -day. they're actually collecting data in the EU, but they're storing it in the US. So that's actually a data transfer across country lines. And so there were certain, so GDPR put in certain standards for that. And then the SHRIMS decision came um, about after GDPR was enacted saying, actually this privacy shields, which were those standards, this is not valid. We don't think these are meeting the standards that GDPR put into place. And so it's the U.S. saying, okay, here's here's what we've put in place internally in the U.S. Mm -hmm. so that the EU is comfortable with sharing data to the U.S. So okay. the, the EU-U.S. data privacy framework, uh, which was just announced in October, there will be more information coming out about how this will be implemented and companies similar to the Privacy Shield will be able to self-certify themselves. So more information to come on that, but that's one of the biggest things that's come out in the last um, year in regards to data transfers. Okay. And then the next big um, news in the data privacy world is about the CA, the California Age Appropriate Design Code. So. 
some people may be familiar with the UK age-appropriate design code, and the California is a very similar, really follows that same model as the UK. And this code is really asking companies or requiring companies to make you know, those terms of use that we just click yes, okay, and and maybe yeah. we read, but they're very dense and, and you're accepting, you know, all, all these different terms, making those really understandable for different ages. So mm. if a company is targeting a game for a specific age group, maybe 10 to 12, they are really making those terms of use and anything related to consent or data privacy understandable for a person of that 10 to 12 age. So maybe it's a video, maybe it's it's more simple language. So it's, again, something the UK has already implemented, but um, now California is coming out with its own. Well, that's great to see because you're going to make sure the kids are protected, right? So I'm glad to see that's coming over here to the US as well. Okay, so on that, let's talk about the com- consumer side, right? And the impact to, to the, the consumer. So what are the data privacy impacts to the individuals themselves? Since GDPR, it's really been the shift in mindset where companies used to be the owner of data. So you use email service or some social media, and they're just taking all the data um, and using it however they like. And since really GDPR, there's been this switch where companies are now actually just borrowing the data. I don't expect them to be doing anything. Um, as a consumer, I would expect a company to only be doing using my data exactly how they've told me um, they're using it. So you may see things like, I'm sure everyone's seeing these cookie banners popping up. I mean, that, that's been over the past couple of years. Every single site you're going to, you're seeing that. Um, you've probably heard of data subject rights. So you can go on and um, let's say you no longer want to use a specific social media. You can go on and not only just delete your account or close your account, but you can actually request that they um, delete all your data. Hmm. And then the last thing is really around consent. So we see a lot of these uh, maybe when you're checking out on a store online and or you're creating a new account and you're consenting to their t- terms of use, you're checking that box. And I think it's still can you'll see it both ways, but I think we used to see it more where the checkbox was already checked. And now we're seeing it more where the checkbox isn't checked yet. And so that's more of that affirmative, yes, I'm consenting, not right. more of a less of a passive consent. Is is an example of that too, like when I open up my iPhone and I, I look at something, it'll say on a particular app or, or website or something, ask this app not to track my data. Is that in response to this? Is, is it in line with what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's a great segue into kind of one of the biggest things in the news that just came out is this Google location data settlement. So yeah, heard about this. uh, (laughs) So Google was tracking locations even after a consumer had turned off that feature. So there was just a settlement for $391.5 million with 40 different states that Google just settled saying that they, yes, we did this and we're here X, Y, and Z is what we're doing to fix it and have fixed already. But one of the biggest settlements within data privacy, and that just came out that news a few days ago. Yeah, they just said, okay, here's a lot of money. We're sorry. <laughs> exactly. 
And I'm sure I'm sure events like that shape these regulations, right? They all go into consideration yeah. for these bigger uh, bigger regulations as they come in, which actually leads me to a question: What's on the horizon when it comes to regulations? Is there anything that that you're seeing out there that's going to be important to the world? I think the one big thing we're really seeing is around AI and responsible AI. So we've seen the EU, which seems to kind of be the who starts and kicks off all these regulations. Yeah, they set the standard, right? (laughs) Yeah, so the EU AI Act, so it it just broadly governs the use of AI systems, but it does follow this risk-based approach, which many countries have started following. So we've seen regulations in the UK, Canada, China, and then in the US, we've we have the F- Algorithmic Accountability Act. And so this was just introduced or reintroduced, and it would require all companies who use AI to conduct critical impact assessments and then self-report to the Federal Trade Commission. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Can you can you explain how that might work like in real time? A critical impact assessment, without going into too many details, and there really aren't um, too many specifics on what that would mean, but if you are implementing a new AI system, you would have to provide a certain readout. So there's X number of questions around what is the AI system doing? And, And within data privacy, it's actually looking at like the fairness of it, the transparency of so do what a consumer know it's an AI system um, and looking at the risks of that AI process. Okay. And then that whatever the findings from that assessment would be, they would have to then send that over to the Federal Trade Commission. And, and how that's all packaged and how that all looks isn't fully flushed out yet, but that's okay. kind of a high level what that could look like. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And then kind of the the second part within the U.S. that was just announced in October is the Advancing American AI Act. And that was, with that was released these AI Bill of Rights. And that's five different principles that should design or guide the design and use of AI systems to make sure the American public is safe in this kind of new world where all these companies from small to large are using AI. And so, um, we could dive into those, but yeah, it's kind of around, as I mentioned um, before, like data privacy notice, allowing alerting customers that this is being used, and then as well as fairness, uh, making sure that the algorithms are are fair to all persons. Interesting. And if you, I know in the data privacy world, and you've gotten through a lot today, they love acronyms. Am I right to assume that that's going to be the Advanced American AI Act is going to be AAAA? I think so. Wow, that's going to be tough to uh, yeah. to say all the time in meetings. But anyway, uh, let's hope they they make something different there and change one of the world uh, words. But okay, so how should companies prepare for all this? You know, you said what's on the horizon is there's things they can do now to make sure that they're going to be in the right place or or be in a state where they can implement a readiness plan, for example. Yeah, so specifically around, I think, the AI regulations, it's really comes down to four things, transparency, fairness, accountability and engagement. So, again, I sound like a broken record, but 
letting consumers know that there is an AI behind the scenes or this is an AI process. Fairness. Companies who are using these AI processes need to do fairness testing, making sure that these systems are treating all people fairly. Uh, accountability, really setting clear principles internally, getting the C-suite buy-in, and understanding all components of your AI systems. And then finally, engagement, actually engaging in these regulatory and legislative processes and helping shape what's coming and even around guidelines and standards um, as well. Awesome. Well, Sarah, this has been really fun. You, uh, you've delivered all this really great information, but also you've had to tackle all these acronyms <laughs> so, on your birthday of all days, right? So I really appreciate you joining us uh, and going through anything um, and everything. Just the last thing I always ask is, is there something that you would leave the audience with, the the, the listener with that might be um, their, their takeaway from today? I think um, something I heard recently was the creepy test. If you are designing something <laughs> new or um, a new product or a new process or something and and you want to collect certain data and and you're sitting there and you're thinking well that that would be creepy if they collected that from me or they had that knowledge that data from me that should be a trigger for you to think maybe we shouldn't collect that maybe we don't need to collect that so that is awesome <laughs> and i can't wait to hear the creepy act as of you know 2023 or whatever that regulation comes here yeah. that would be fantastic Okay, thank you so much. This is really important information for both companies and individuals. So um, really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you next time if you'll come back. Thanks. I would love to. Thank you. Okay, Matt. appreciate it. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Logic 2020's podcast, Digital Now. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com or follow us on social media. See you next time.